Saturday night and it's live. We like to do live because tonight we're actually going to take your questions. But the top news story tonight is that the Covidians are after you and they're after your children. If you don't comply, they're going to take your children away. Also, your Pope is after your mass. But once the Latin mass gets totally suppressed, I have good news for you. There will be plenty of liturgical options and here they are.
don't know why. I don't know why I do. I just. I can't help myself. It's too much. It's too good. It's too absurd. You have to at least laugh at the absurdity. The finger wave was going with it. I think he actually his mouth was moving with it at one point. I think it was. Well, he had the mask on, so he had no idea what the guy was saying. But I, I think it had something to do with you know get your uh, get your vaccine. Oh man. Hey, good evening, guys. How are you doing? Uh, Ryan's going to be joining us voice only uh, whenever he's able to. I think he. Struck a moose, so um, the dangers of the Pacific oh, Northwest. Moose, he ain't winning that one. Uh, top story tonight: Cook County. Cook County is in Chicago. They like to say Chicago. Uh, judge takes away kids because mom doesn't want to vaccinate kid. Or no, sorry. Well, because the mom isn't vaccinated. Either way, yeah. somebody refuses to be vaxxed. The judge is taking the kids away. Steve, you called this happening. You're vindicated. Shoot, there's a couple other things. That uh, Nigeria just came out saying that uh, if you don't get jabbed, you can't access your bank account. Uh, Italy, there's spots out there that are forcing three colleges or seminary universities to get the jab or find new jobs. One diocese, one parish, was it one parish or one diocese said that you have to have the jab to basically be Catholic. So you can go into mass. You can go into a mass if you're Protestant or Hindu or Mormon, Muslim, probably even get communion in that parish. But if you don't take the jab, you're not allowed in. All are welcome, except for the non-jab. Uh, yeah, this lady, she's uh, divorced, and and, and uh, they're doing a split custody. And in the if you watch the video, the uh, husband or ex-husband never brought this up. Wasn't even a thought on his mind, apparently. The judge asked her and he didn't like the answer and awarded full custody to the hubby because she didn't take the jab um <laughs> and there are a bunch of uh dioceses around the country now in which the bishops are coming out and saying we will not grant you a religious exemption if you're seeking one from this diocese seek elsewhere i mean and I, chicago being one and, of them and in cook county by the way which is chicago you had uh blaze supich Blaze Supich standing right there as Lori Lightfoot, the um, uh, what, what is her name, uh, Mayor Me- Mayor Beetlejuice. Uh, she steps forward and receives Holy Communion because she's jabbed. She's not Catholic or anything. You don't have to be Catholic in Chicago anymore. She's also gay. Yeah, she's lesbian. She's also gay. You know what else is gay? The NFL. Okay, sorry. That you you triggered me there. I felt like I needed to just. Uh, so yeah, that that happened up in Chicago, and um, and that's coming to a parish and a diocese near you. There are now dioceses around the country who are barring people from attending mass if they don't have the jab. It started in South Texas, really, um, with uh, a couple parishes that were only allowing children into CCD courses that were jabbed. This goes well beyond the mask, ladies and gentlemen. 
this is this is now um, you know diabolical with respect to the uh, well the holy sacrament. Do we have Ryan? Do we have do we have your audio, Ryan? Howdy, howdy. All right, he's here. He's here. Uh, we just got started. We just uh, talking about our top story. I want to cut to another video real quick uh, to let you sort yourself out with this. If you think that this is as bad as it's going to get, if you think that we've uh, crossed over the worst of it and things are going to go back to normal, um, here's what's happening down in Australia. Doing the wrong thing, driving our record case numbers. Among the most concerning cases, a COVID patient who's tonight on the run from a hotspot. Police and health authorities have issued an urgent appeal. Anthony Caram knows he is COVID positive when he steps into this public lift. Already breaking so many rules, he doesn't bother to cover his mouth as he sneezes and splutters. The 27-year-old is still infectious but has gone missing from his Wentworth Point apartment. A warrant now issued for his arrest. This 27-year-old chap who apparently has expressed the view that he doesn't care less whether he spreads the virus, is one example of the worst of the worst. There's little sympathy for anyone ignoring the health orders. Even this group of teenagers caught partying after dark at the bottom of the North Bondi Cliffs. Herded to higher ground by Polair's spotlight and speaker, the eight boys were placed in handcuffs and left to explain a $1,000 fine to mum. Uh, 681 penalty infringement notices issued in the last 24 hours. More than 400 of those notices were again for people being outside of their home without a reasonable excuse. Sideline Sharks player Josh Dugan denies lying to police when he was found a long way from Sydney. The 31-year-old stopped at 11.30 last night in Lithgow, where he allegedly told officers he was moving to the area and feeding animals before admitting to visiting a friend. He and a passenger turned back to Sydney, only to be pulled over a second time travelling in the wrong direction. The NRL is investigating and criminal charges could be laid. It's getting harder and harder to hide if you're doing the wrong thing, especially in the construction industry, a crackdown following on from the recent shutdown. Workers sent home if their paperwork isn't in check. It is a struggle, but it's, um, you know, it's just what has to be done. Like Nobody likes telling people to go home. They've all got families to feed. Our camera's rolling on another random blitz in Marsden Park. Authorising me under the Public Health Act. Inspectors have asked these tradesmen to show proof of their QR check-in as well as identification and vaccination records. One of the men here is from Campsie and he doesn't have his documentation, so he's being sent home. He may lose a chunk of his pay too if officers follow through with a fine. Tiffany Genders, Nine News. So Ryan, uh, he sneezed inside of an elevator and they got him. It's national news. It's the sneeze heard around the world. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And it's, it's essentially it's like this. Uh, the mechanisms for how all this stuff works. Um, there might be a couple other details that I don't have with this story. But basically, 
Um, it could be a type of thing where you test positive because you're foolish enough to keep going and test it or you're required to do it for your job and you're going along to keep your job or whatever the reason is. And then you get a positive test, which means absolutely nothing. And so then they say, okay, let's go get him. And what they essentially did is, they, of course, they, they have his information, they have his number, so they track his number, they, track, they, they can track your phone in real time. Your phone has GPS on it. It can be tracked in real time. They know exactly where you are. So then they could just follow it up and, and uh, get you and take you away to, uh, I guess, the uh, big COVID uh, isolation center. I mean, <clears throat> Gulag, that they're building in uh, Queensland or somewhere like that. I don't know. So it could also be the type of thing where your phone bumps up next to the phone of somebody else that tested positive. And so that's, and that's the, your contact tracing. So the next thing you know is they're knocking on your door. Oh, you were exposed to someone, so you're going to have to come with us. It won't even be shelter in place. It's going to be come with us to our very nice COVID isolation facility. It looks shockingly like a concentration camp. Nice. Don't mind that. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on down in Australia, Steve Cunningham, and it doesn't bode well for us because, as we saw at the beginning of this uh, so-called plague, Australia was has always been fashion forward, and the United States has really, in some ways, followed their lead. That's truly a scary thing because these aren't even the worst news stories that we saw this week. <laughs> it is nuts would be an upgrade and what's going on down under uh yeah the guy the guy's got a warrant for his arrest for sneezing in an elevator by himself uh those other people at the beach got arrested thousand dollars each for just being out there the premier blasted people that's the same premier that said no more drinking outside without a face a muzzle on i don't know how you're supposed to drink with it all with it on I, confusing he's also a couple days later went out and said you know it was a pretty sunset yesterday y'all should have done that this against the idea of what we're trying to do no more going out there in the sunset two other people broke her uh, quarantine and went to another house and they had helicopter it was regular news helicopters they said helicopters were fighting were chasing them in case they ran all they did was go outside to a friend's house. They had the entire the, the, the police department on them and helicopters. Mm-hmm. New South Wales, uh, the Fuhrer, uh, jokingly, and well, I don't know if it was jokingly, she's laughing in a question from a news group, a news, uh, uh, at least Channel 9 there. Um, will Are you okay if people wear ankle bracelets? And she goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, wowzers could trousers, Batman. But um, remember, but remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brother Martin, this is about your safety. That's all this is about. This is a real virus. It's deadly. It kills people. And these are reasonable measures. And it's all about your safety. And as a result of that, you don't have to go to mass, right? I think one of the biggest lies that we're hearing a lot from the Episcopacy is, is the word common good. Common good does not mean the majority. Common good means that it is the principal end of man. It has to do with, with who man is. Uh, there was a priest on Twitter this past week who posted a uh, this kind of a speech by uh, Pope Pius XII 
who in the speech, it was, it was regarding medicine, reminded us that, that the community, society, uh, exists for, for the individual man, not man for the, for the society. The common good has to do with what is good for each and every single person, no person aside. If, it's, if one person is excluded, then it has to do with the majority. It's not common good. And so when bishops are referring to the common good, take the jab because it's for the common good, et cetera, et cetera, it's not true because some people who take the jab will die from it because they're sick or they, they keep one way or another, one way or another. Um, it, it's so painful right now because we really have absolutely like zero leadership. And especially from the hierarchy of the church that everywhere, everywhere we're being sold out. We're being sold out by all the major institutions we are being sold out by the police for. I mean, we're being, you know, back to blue, whatever. Can we really do that? Um, as I've seen in Afghanistan, there was, there was a, a lieutenant colonel that was dismissed because he dared question or he dared call to accountability people higher than him. He was the only person fired so far from, from this tragedy yeah. uh, in, the, in the hierarchy well, as speak, well. Speaking of the you hierarchy, know, I wasn't going to play this video, but I did have it queued up. This is a Catholic priest who's in court and he's testifying uh, on behalf of somebody who is trying to receive a COVID exemption for their vaccination and who the the prosecution is using the words of Pope Francis against the Catholic and saying he has no recourse to Rome. This is the priest's response. Uh, that goes down to, first of all, to deeper religious questions, um, as Francis on many occasions has contradicted Catholic teachings. I certainly don't recognize him as pope you have to be catholic to be pope but i don't think that's what we're here to discuss today um i will say that nothing you read there is in favor of vaccine mandates okay full disclosure i have no idea if this guy is a benny or a seti but the point stands that you almost have to deny your relationship to rome in order to claim a Catholic exemption to this madness. How did that happen, Steve? Well, just to piggyback off what Brother just said about cops, I don't know if you ever want to see the video at the University of Tennessee where a cop walks into a, uh, a classroom and they drag a guy out, drag a kid out. Let's just say he's, eight, what, 17, 18, 19? Because he does have a face condom on. Uh, I'll use that face condom. That was from Phil Lawler. Who, if you're not following his writings, uh, they're very entertaining and good, which goes into what Mike just asked about it with this uh, authority of the uh, exemptions that it's kind of like clericalism, don't you, don't you think? <laughs> These guys are right. overreaching a little bit, this false obedience idea that, uh, oh, it's you, know, we, you can't do that because of the Pope said this. Well, it's a great idea to talk about infallibility right there. And, just because the Pope said X doesn't mean we have to follow it. We're not a cult in the sense where the leader says X and we have to drink the Kool-Aid, right? Ryan, uh, it seems like ultramontanism is like in uh, in its final throes. It's 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 on a ventilator right now. I I, I think it's finally it's dying its last gasps. 
I think this crisis that we're seeing now and where it, it, it clash, it combines with everything going on in the world will truly be the end of, although I, I want to be clear to make this distinction between papalism, between papal overreach or the idea that, that the Pope can determine all of our opinions on, on mundane little things. It's like a Protestant caricature, right? Now, ultramontanism, actually, if you, I should address this just briefly because if you look up in Catholic Encyclopedia, they're going to tell you ultramontanism is the Catholic position, is the only Catholic position. This is the 1911 Catholic Encyclopedia. Because what ultramontanism referred to is receiving the statement of Vatican I and the teaching on the Pope's infallibility to teach on faith and morals um, as opposed to the Gallican idea. And that's why it gets that term ultramontanism, beyond the mountains, right? For the French, beyond the Alps, it is it's coming from down there by Rome. And but whereas for us, we French, you know, we, you know, nations get to vote on this stuff and accept it before it becomes doctrine or the Pope can exercise his law and things like that, which is a, the, the condemned teaching of the Gallicans. So the ultramontanism itself doesn't actually refer to any of this stuff, but it's kind of been picked up to mean, well, when, you know, playing Simon Says, basically, and, and all these sorts of things, which is which is not Catholic teaching. That is not what the Vatican I binds us to. When the Pope has supreme jurisdiction in the Church, that is to adjudicate cases of law, the administration of things, whether we like what he does or not, he has that authority. Now, at the flip side, in faith and morals, too, that you have your extraordinary magisterium, your solemn magisterium, where he gives a solemn judgment— and then you have his ordinary teaching authority, which does command an assent of, of the intellect and will, unless there is something problematic with respect to the tradition. And then Emmanuel has talked about this in the 20s and 30s. And so by no means did was it considered that Vatican I settled that question because, you know, they would have been heretics for even addressing it. Rather, they said if something happens where the Pope teaches something in his ordinary capacity in an encyclical, in a sermon, on an airplane press conference, you know, that – Although I don't see how, how the latter, you know, has commands any any obligation to give an assent to it. But unless he means to, it makes it absolutely clear, hey, I'm teaching the faith here. But um, otherwise, you can withhold your judge, your assent if you see there's some serious problem there and you, you can't get this doubt resolved. And so, you, you know, you don't go out and call him a heretic per se. You know, you got to have your evidence for that. But you just stop and say, all right, well, whatever he's teaching here, I can't go along with this until I can see yeah. how – it's in conformity with the whole tradition. So if he gives his opinion that we should all get vaccines and it's great for the common good, that's his opinion. That is not his command to all Catholics to do something. He's not a guru. He's not, you know, his opinion on something does not automatically become my opinion because I'm Catholic, right? That, that, that is literally like a Jack Chick caricature of what the papacy is supposed to be. And that's, it's just simply not the case at all. Um, thoughts on Ultramontanism, Brother Martin? I think we lost Brother Martin. Did we lose you? Hello? Oh, you're no, here. I'm here. No, I, I mean, I agree with everything Brother Martin, or, uh, Brother Martin, Ryan. <laughs> brother, I agree with brother. <laughs> Well, of course I agree with everything with Brother Martin said. It's late anyway. <laughs> on a Saturday night, and, and your, your is. age it's, is starting to show, Brother Martin. It's, it's three <laughs> hours past my bedtime, I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> I agree with everything Ryan says about Ultramontanism. Um, what's, what's interesting too, is I'm reading right now for my spiritual reading, a book called the, the, the ladder of divine ascent by St. John Climacus. He was a, a desert monk, um, very popular in the Eastern churches, uh, for spiritual advice regarding monasticism in particular. And the chapters in particular about obedience have more to do with patience 
patience enduring situations, circumstances of divine providence, more so than anything like any administrative mandate that comes from any monastery or bishop or or patriarch or pope. Um, I think one thing that's kind of swallowed our minds up in the West that obedience just means doing what you don't like to do if someone explicitly orders you to do it. Um, but spiritually, more practically for, for, I mean, especially lay people, because I mean, lay people, they don't have a bishop or a, an abbot there to tell you every little thing that you need to do, you know, throughout your day. It's being obedient to the, to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit and the circumstances of divine providence, what was put before you um, and living the Christian life in that context. Um, so I, I think we, we really have um, militarized the concept of obedience. And I think, to be honest, the, it began really with St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was, who was a soldier and who understood the concept of obedience in that context of, of uh, being a soldier and just obeying your superiors because, well, it's a matter of life and death. And you just, you know, as a military person, you, just, you obey your commands. Um, when he founded the, the Society of Jesus, it wasn't a typical religious order. He did something new. He didn't create a rule of life. He created a constitution. Um, and other people have also made this criticism of his constitutions that it, it, it really did give obedience a new definition. Um, but that definition has spread to the entire church, especially, I mean, it's in spiritual exercises as well. Just do what you're told, do what you're told, do what you're told, don't think, do what you're told. Um, and and so that's I, a problem that it was intended to be the, the spirituality of that order alone, that is, of, mm-hmm. of that of the Jesuits alone. It was not meant that everyone in the, actually St. Robert Bellarmine wrote a, a, a defense of that, of uh, the obedience called blind. And it makes it really clear, this is not how obedience has been classically understood, and this is not something that we mean to impose on the rest of the church. This is something that is specifically for our institute and no other. There you go. I think a, a variable that gets lost in the discussion about the, the holy uh, sacrifice of the jab is that it's, some of the bishops in the United States are willing to bring up the association with the murder of innocent children, but none are willing to bring up any of the other associations or any of the other doctrines around the holy sacrifice of the jab. Namely, none of them question whether or not it is safe. None question whether or not it is effective. None question whether or not it is proportionate. None question whether or not you are in an immediate need for this thing. If you're if you're if you're an extremist, if you're facing death without it, um, none of them face the violence that it does to your body. Whose rights? Uh, who has rights over your body and who doesn't? Um, so they're all willing to like stumble over a molehill, which many people point out is. Uh, almost ubiquitous. Uh, many, many uh, medications are derived from research that is somehow tainted, right? So they're willing to stand on this hill, Steve, uh, and trip over it and kind of like give you a little bit. Um, but none of them are talking about mRNA, um, pathogenic priming. Um, how about the proportionality argument? None of them do that. I would this this isn't exactly going on a limb. I would bet none of them have a clue of what they're talking about. If you try to put them down in front of anybody with two working brain cells, I can talk about this longer in five minutes. Uh, put them out with Dr. Malone. It, it, it'll be an embarrassment. 
safe and effective as like I said last time we talked, uh, Dr. Sam Bailey in New Zealand. She has a great video on what safe and effective is, the history of it. They've been using that line for a bunch of these things for decades, and they've never been safe, and they weren't effective. As you see right now, the uh, uh, the, the jab that starts with the P, it sounds like a fuck. Uh, it's uh, effective for only about 17 to 30 percent, I think, of those cases. Uh, but yeah, now we're going to get the, the boosters coming out. Joey B said you're going to do it in probably in five months. Yeah, well, speaking of that. Is, is the is the two jab people going to start yelling at the three jab well, people? It's, it's going to uh, be for a year. Uh, and if you don't believe me, check out the city of St. Louis website. You are not considered fully vaccinated after 90 days of receiving your second shot. I say again, 90 days. And if you don't have a booster every quarter, you're not considered vaccinated in the city of St. Louis, the gateway to the West. Um, if you think this isn't already affecting people, here's a quick video from a mother who was denied medical coverage because, well, it's for your health. I've had a cardiologist appointment scheduled since May. It is now August. Today is my appointment. I show up for that appointment wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. And I'm told that because I am not vaccinated and because he is too young to be vaccinated, I can't be seen. A five-month pregnant woman who is having heart problems cannot see the cardiologist she has waited months to see because I'm not vaccinated. Tell me again that it's about public health. These doctors and nurses should be ashamed of themselves for turning away a patient who needs help because of their vaccination status. All right, I don't know. I don't know if her story is real or not, you know. But it, anybody can put anything on TikTok. I do know, however, that uh, I think it's I think it's true, Steve. It's you know, it's almost like a military thing. This is a good segue into Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Uh, the three star jabbers are going to look down on the two star jabbers and make them salute them. Well, even yeah, you brought up military. Uh, if you add up Pearl Harbor. War of Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, we can say September 11th, uh, coming up soon. Uh, 2019 mass shootings, 2020 mass shootings, total deaths equal 13,296. The current injection is that, according to bears, at 1% reporting, according to Harvard HSS, we're at 13,627 as of, I think the reporting was uh, the 20th. Uh, safe and effective, right? You're going to get this kicked off YouTube by speaking the facts that the government actually publishes. That's right. The government publishes these statistics, and you can assume that they under-report these things. And if you just do the math, as Steve just did, more have died from the holy sacrifice of the jab than from the entire wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Ryan, let's talk about Afghanistan. This is how Barack Hussein Obama used to say Afghanistan. He used to say Pakistan and Afghanistan. But he's not a Muslim, right? He was born here. Right? Uh, yeah, we were heard. <laughs> we're not going to. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm not going to get into Obama so much. Um, but, uh, but I will 
I got to reverse myself something I said last week because I was just working with the evidence we had available, trying to figure out, okay, what is it that's actually even going on here? Like, why is this happening so catastrophically? And I theorize that maybe the Chinese had bought Biden off and because all the interests that caused us to get to Afghanistan to begin with are all still there. And, uh, you know, so maybe they bought him off. But now that we've seen uh, further events since last week, especially acts of terrorism, um, this is kind of my read on it. And I want to be cautious because it, we rightly point out that the mainstream media are liars. They lie. They, they, their propaganda is shameless. So why are we going to say they're lying, but then turn around and look at this Afghanistan report and say, oh, wow, that's exactly right. You know, it, it, we got, I got to I have to have a lot of skepticism when I see certain things. And. It, and then there's other things that, all right, is this here for, you know, you've got, you just could do so much dissecting with it. So this is kind of my dissection is one you get, um, I believe it was ABC uh, reporting that the CIA had met with the Taliban. Um, you, know, you know, I think the day before we went live, it wasn't that that wasn't released yet. If that's true, they're only going to reveal that because they, you know, they want that seated out there. Next thing you know, the Taliban is, uh, or, or now with this, some new branding of ISIS or whatever, all of a sudden there's attacks on American troops. It looks to me like they're trying to build a base of support to rebuild the, the Afghan war. You know, and you see the discussion of oh, all these troops died. We got to avenge them. And I've seen people that were last year were anti-war and praising Trump for getting us out of Afghanistan and starting that whole process of withdrawal. And now our turning, you know, pro-war without even realizing. And I think that's kind of the overarching meta-narrative is we're not going to leave Afghanistan. They're going to keep this there and they're going to you know, make sure that happens. Because, again, because all those strategic things, whether you're talking about lithium and uh, you're talking about natural gas, you're talking about uh, rare earth metals, you're talking about all these different things that are there that we have been mining. Then, of course, the opium trade. We've been profiting from all of these things 20 years at this expense and sacrifice of American soldiers who just wanted to serve their country. And, and now we just die who, and gals, I think there was a woman or two that died in that as well, that um, what was the, in respect of my views of women in the military, what do they want to do? They wanted to serve their country and now they're dead. And it looks to me, I mean, it's just maybe it's my conspiratorial nature. It looks to me like it will be really just another false flag, something that's being planned on the backside in order to get us angry so we'll want to go to war again so that it'll give the support to drum up the numbers, another two, three trillion dollars, and, and you know, get us back in there securing yeah, all that stuff. Got to get that sequel yeah, ready. That's an interesting point. I, um, I did a quick video about Afghanistan. Many of you know that. I served in the Marine Corps as an officer, and I went to Iraq and Afghanistan kind of back-to-back. -back. And uh, I did a quick side-by-side -side of those two conflicts for those who are interested. I did not uh, unveil the theory that Ryan just unveiled with respect to the boomerang effect or the planned nature of this. Uh, 60 Afghans, 12 U.S. troops were killed by supposed suicide bombs, uh, including 11 Marines. Our um, thoughts and prayers and hearts are with those Marines. And statistically speaking, the Marine Corps is like 65% Catholic, so you can assume that there are a bunch of Catholics who were killed and maimed in this attack. Don't know if it was pre-planned. Don't know if it was coordinated. What we do know is that there are people dead 
And what we hope uh, is that they get uh, Requiem Masses said for their soul. But, Steve, what do you think about Ryan's theory that, you know, we know that we turned over vital records of the U.S. service members, including Social Security numbers and home addresses, over to the Taliban. We know the CIA was meeting with the Taliban. We know that after 20 years of war, uh, trillions of dollars spent, 4,000 dead. We've replaced the Taliban with the Taliban. Um, now the Taliban are back in charge. They're back in town. Terrorism, we, we made terrorism great again. Thanks, uh, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden. Uh, do you think we're going to be back in there within our lifetimes? Oh, yeah. This is setting it up for part two. Uh, yeah, Ryan and I basically have the same minds. Uh, we listen to the same guys. We talk the same lingo on this stuff. He's way more smarter than I on how to elaborate it or enunciate it more well, uh, more well than I can, if that was even a correct uh, uh, sentence. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, part two will be coming. It'll be in theaters near you, rated R. Um, dude, yeah, this is uh, I mean, there was a great tweet out, not by Obama, but he was talking about how his thoughts and prayers were coming out for all the Afghan uh, uh, casualties. And a lady named, uh, oh, was it Sarah Abdullah? I can't remember her last name. Let's say Abdullah. She goes, you literally bombed a, ho- a hospital, which he did. And they and said, oh, we accidentally bombed the hospital of 200 civilians in it. Where was the Obama bot zombies at this point? No one cared. Just like when uh, Trump was uh, putting the uh, military uh, parade going through, the joke was all these guys had to wear uh, blankets over their legs because they're all for the war game. They all are for the military-industrial complex. No matter what you say, yes, I, we know Trump didn't put us in a new war. He still bombed the you-know-what out of a lot of people overseas. That didn't stop. Trump bombing from Obama was more than the guy before yeah. him, and Trump did more than Obama did. We're not going to stop. We got too much money at Raytheon. You got too much over there. What's that place over in Denver? I forgot his name already. Uh the war machine is not going to end. We'll be in Afghanistan for another 20 years. So this begs the question, and I want to go around the horn on this one. I get lots of emails, and as I'm sure the, the three of you do as well, young men who are considering putting up their right hand, defending the Constitution of the United States of America, placing their life on the line to do so. Uh, parents, siblings, cousins, wondering whether or not their loved ones should serve the United States of America in the noble pursuit of military arts. Um, in 2021, given the woke agenda, given the fact that if you disagree with the alphabet people, you might be canceled out of the military. In 2021, knowing that we really do serve the central bank and the McBanksters who run that place, uh, and, of course, the little tiny nation in the Middle East that runs our foreign policy. In 2021, where if you subscribe to the rundown, you might be an extremist and you might be prosecuted for that. And in 2021, Brother Martin, where you have to submit your body to the violence of the holy sacrifice of the jab in order to serve, can we, in good conscience, recommend military service to the young men of this country? Policy changes so quickly, so it's 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 hard to say definitively. Um, however, it I mean I'm in a similar situation. 
as as uh, Steve was was saying earlier in the in the show, in certain seminaries now you have to submit to the holy sacrifice of the jab to become a priest, to serve in any capacity, to lay down your life in any particular way. You have to bow to Moloch. You have to to bow uh, to a jab that is produced with the board of fetal cells in its in its production process, et cetera, et cetera. You have to bow to a particular agenda. Because it seems as if this agenda has infiltrated every single institution um, well, that exists. Can you recommend it? E- each individual person has its own particular reasons and circumstances for, for joining, joining the military. I've known people that have joined the military simply for financial reasons or to get their, their education paid for uh, by the U.S. government. Um, I mean, it's, it's a real process of discernment. Should you lay down your life for well, a Freemasonic institution? that has stars and stripes as, as its flag, um, is, is another good question. Um, me personally, I, I, would, I would, if someone asked me whether, whether or not, um, I, I would want to leave them uh, uneasy with an easy yes. I would want to send them home um, really, really thinking about it mm-hmm. even harder. Um, and and I, I would not want them to, to say yes immediately or easily or any of the sort. Nonetheless, um, if they for themselves considered it uh, the right option for them, I mean, I can't necessarily call them evil. I can't necessarily say that they're in the wrong um, because they might, they may very well f- feel that the country that exists now is, is their only defense for their family and for the loved sure. ones. If the United States falls like Rome fell, you know, what, what is to defend their families from the barbarians? You know, and who else would take power? Let me kick it over to Steve. Steve, uh, patriotism is a noble Catholic virtue. We're supposed to love our country. That doesn't mean we whitewash its history. To love some th- somebody, the, the virtue of charity means to will the good of the beloved. So it means to will the good of the country. Isn't it patriotic to raise up your right hand? I love my country. The country of South Carolina where I grew up in for 30, 40 years. I'm now in the country of North Carolina. The union of these United States of America is 50 countries united by one federal constitution. Each state has its own state constitution. Your governor is, quote, unquote, the president of your state. That's what the founding generation thought of themselves. That did not change until that first tyrant we had. Lincoln put a, a mother, basically put a, a nail to the coffin of this experiment. And turn it into one nation. How did I know? Now that's where you get this whole country. How did I know that from okay. one side to the other, Russia? That if you look at it in that sense, Russia in a ten-mile square like Moscow. Now, if you think locally and you break this thing up like it should, and then you can either you can convert the, the country you live in, and you can control the country you live in. You can get into the state house, you can get into local, you can get into the state boards, you can get into that and actually do something. You can't do anything in D.C. That's gone. If you haven't figured that out yet, get it through your thick skulls. You're not going to be able to vote harder ever to fix so, D.C. If you think somebody's going to come in and just, oh, by the way, we're going to fix, drain the swamp, which, no, it's Steve, not happening. See, let me jump in. First of all, how did I know that a question about patriotism was going to lead to Lincoln? But uh, more importantly than that, are you saying then that you would join your state guard? Like, uh, should should you join the you know the the, the North Carolina National, National Guard? Guard? Yeah, I mean, 
That's your state. That's your state army. That's your state army. But but weren't those people federalized and sent to D.C. for the false flag on the Epiphany? Thanks, but and and Bush did it too by sending them across for Iraq. If I'm if I'm he not did. mistaken. Uh, but yeah. yes, it's the governors are the governor of your state. The governor, which is another. If you read anything about Europe, you'll hear state of Italy, state of France. State is another word for country. The pre- the president of your state, the governor of your state, is the commander-in-chief of the National Guard. Yes, I w- if someone invaded my land, I'd be the first one to sign up for the first uh, redneck battalion. And they ain't going anywhere. <laughs> we will take them down, no problem. That's why you never hear of any of these things in the dirty south. <laughs> it's not oh, happening man. in our land. That's kind of why they're going after the South. They know that's the last hope. There's actually an art. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what's that uh, t- news? Epic Times, Epic News. They, were, had, they did a story on North Carolina how the, how they're trying to change it to communist area, and they're focused on that. And they have an article out calling the South the new Confederacy that must be taken over because it's the last bastion of uh, American thought and uh, conservative wow. Christianity. I won't. Uh, that's not. That's not nuts to think. I won't go into the Chinese ownership structure of the Epic News and why we need to distrust it. But I do want to kick it over to Ryan. Ryan Grant, thoughts on military service? It is integral to cultivating masculinity. It is necessary for uh, the maintenance of nobility. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think this panel already believes this off the table. What do we do? Right. Um, and, and I can only echo, I guess, around the, the board, you know, various things that have been said. Um, military service is not something to be sneered at or mocked or especially by a civilian like me. Um, it's something to aspire to. It's something that in and of itself should be noble. That one, you know, to, to deny yourself the comforts of home and family and the, the, the common bounty that citizens enjoy working in the Commonwealth in order to strengthen yourself, train yourself in weapons, and to put your life on the line, to ultimately to sacrifice, um, you know, to lay it down. And, and like, uh, you know, the Roman poet Horace says, dulcet decorum est uh, pro patria mora, mori. You know, what, what, uh, how sweet uh, it is and fitting to, to lay down one's life for his own country. Right. And that, that's the very notion of that Latin word patria, which gives you patriotism. You know, it, it doesn't just mean your little line on the map. It actually means, you know, fatherland. It is your home. And that's the whole notion of the virtue of patriotism, your fatherland, the place that gave you your birth, like a, in, in, a, in, a, in an analogous sense, your mother in a certain way. Right. And that's why patriotism is dealt with under the fourth commandment. So, you know, so ideally that that's what it should be. But now, yeah, we go to the reality. And, and, Mike, you can get into, I'm sure, the nitty-gritty I've got from a lot of vets I know, the nitty-gritty of some really bad things in the ranks that your child will be exposed to. Not just pornography, but uh, really bad stuff. People sent on long-term service with uh, little contact other than the enemy. They throw them some hard drives, which has some of the most horrendous porn you can imagine. I mean, the only reason I know about it is this vet was describing to me the stuff uh, that um, his colleague had. And and how it wrecked him. The guy just got into it, and it totally wrecked him, and morally, as, as a human being. And 
you have uh, other problems in discipline. Now you have where you're an extremist, basically. If you're Catholic, if you have any virtue whatsoever, you're you're a radical extremist. If you um, you know, believe in the Constitution. You're an extremist. There's this video making its rounds on Twitter the other day where, you know, some female sergeant was saying that, yeah, if I was if they declared martial law, I would shoot Americans who didn't obey me. That's your military now. And that's what you're going to go in to serve. There is no we need the good people in the military. They've already cut that. I mean, your uh, acquaintance from uh, your service years that is now secretary of defense and uh, not particularly up to the job he's going to make sure wokeism oh, well, reigns we, he's going to push we happen to have the video of that dyke and here she is understand that if active duty military actually get deployed within the united states that weapon is not just pointed at other people other countries it's pointed at you if you do not get in your house when i tell you to you become the enemy martial law Okay, so that is your military uh, today, and uh, that uh, carpet muncher there, she is actually uh, in charge of uh, martial law. What do we do, Steve? What are the practical things? I mean, even Biden is talking about you might need the passport to cross state interstate lines. People are okay, kind of, with divorce, abusive, abusive marriages, we're in an abusive relationship right this minute, and all people want to do is keep chanting USA, 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 just because we beat a third world co- country in soccer or basketball. We beat, hey, we beat Iraq by 50. Woohoo! They play with goats. It's not like they're massive <laughs> basketball players. Hey, what, is, what are we thinking on this? To the people that are saying there's no political solution, yet actually there is. And it's basically we have to get involved. That's one thing the Holy Father I liked a couple of years ago said Catholics got to get involved in politics. They do. You also, as Donald Livingston of the Abbeville Institute says, he's, by the way, he's an Orthodox, uh, he's an Eastern Orthodox guy, but he's got eight Catholics in his Abbeville Institute group. Uh, solid group of guys. He goes with, we have to break this thing up and we got to convert it. I don't hear any Catholics talking like that. You got to break this thing down, fix your local state and get involved in government in your local and state and school districts. You stop this nonsense right now. You get in your city. If if I was living in the county of Mecklenburg and I could get eight guys with me to get in there and, and run and win and get eight of us on there. There's eight seats. Get eight in there. That's the, the face muzzles over. All that stuff's over. So you got to think like that. How do we get it? These guys, the, our enemies are thinking locally. If we think, oh, we just got to sit back and do, well, what's y'all's plan? There's no politically thing? What's y'all's plan? Nothing? That's not a plan. That's called cowardice. You got to get, even if you lose, which we probably will, you got to get involved. And then you got to work your butts off to convert it. The problem is we need the church to get involved for a change. I don't hear any priest ever saying any yeah. of this. Hey, do we have eight people in this in this parish? One that could run for an office somewhere. None? None? Do we don't have anybody? Well, no, because we're American Catholics, and we've been cowed into submission to the overarching secular ideals of American government by things like the George Washington conversion myth, the Jefferson legend, the things that uh, general Americanism, as Pope Leo XIII condemned it in Testum Benevolentiae, where it's a, you know, people want to be, give up 
the claims in the glory of the Catholic faith to get the scraps from this secular table built by Masonic deists. Whatever about Catholic involvement in the beginning to a certain point, um, you know, is, which was largely just securing a place where Catholics, <laughs> English Catholics could freely worship somewhat. Um, and, and because of that work out, you have John Hughes, who's an absolute um, a bear, embarrassment to the establishment mm-hmm. today. Uh, he said, Catholicism will conquer all nations. This is the Archbishop of New York, John Hughes. The, the know-nothings were firebombing Catholic churches all over D.C. and in other cities, Philadelphia. And the bishop fled in D.C. But in New York, Hughes took out an ad in the local paper saying, know-nothings, do your worst. Irishmen with shotguns will be guarding every single Catholic church in the city. Not a single church in New York got firebombed. Right. And, and Hughes was absolutely fundamental in, in building Catholic schools at a time when they were illegal. You could not have Catholic schools. By law, you had to send your kid to a secular state run school, which at the time, instead of indoctrinating you into communism, was indoctrinating you into Protestantism because it was the 19th century. Right. But uh, nevertheless, and he's the one who pushed that through. We're going to get Catholic schools. The Americanists were horrified by that. Well, you can't have this parallel Catholic society that looks to take over. Why? That, that's a, that's un-American. Right. And, and there we are. If I can share a success story on that, it's real quick. Um, here in Idaho, North Idaho, the uh, local college, it's like one of the bigger bastions of liberalism here in, uh, in, in North Idaho, uh, North Idaho College is a community college, right? So the president had a reimposed a mask mandate. Well, you know, we had worked hard. You know, the political groups that I associate with, and, and yeah, you know, I'm an anarchist. I do vote in these local things that I think are important to limit the evil. And guess what? We got a majority of serious liberty-minded people on the board, and they voted three to two to rescind the mask mandate. So now if you go to North Idaho College, you do not have to wear a mask in order to attend class. So it, it, was, uh, it was a great victory. And, and there's more to come if you get people to realize this. Wake up. Stop thinking you're doing your duty by pulling the lever for whatever R&D is running for president and go back to sleep for four to eight years. If you actually to try to take back your local government, these things will hit you less. So, so uh, Testum uh, Beneve Volontate... Uh, Testum benevolent. That was actually. I, I got to rewire my brain to do it. Church Latin. Testum benevolent. Yeah, that, that was actually addressed to Cardinal Gibbons of Baltimore. Gibbons is the author of the Baltimore Catechism. So you have Pope Leo the Thirteenth correcting Baltimore Gib- uh, uh, Cardinal Gibbons of Baltimore. Uh, Gibbons was one of the uh, prelates in the in the U.S. Church, one of the first prelates in the U.S. Church who was taken very seriously by the European cardinals because he's, he was fluent in Latin and Greek and did um, a fair amount of translations, like what Ryan does, and, um, and actually had some interesting takes on things. Leo XIII is correcting him for his Americanism. He's the godfather of the Baltimore Catechism. What does that mean to the Baltimore Catechism and your children? I don't know. Think that through. Um, you did say something, though, that uh, uh, what Dagger John... Uh, it caught my eye. He was referring to Irishmen standing outside of Catholic churches guarding them with shotguns. Got to play the video. I have two shotguns on my home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded. 
somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. By shotgun, by shotgun. You don't need machine gun, you don't need 30 rounds. By shotgun, by double barrel shotgun. You don't need a flamethrower, and you don't need a tank. You don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away, no. And I don't need a grenade launcher, I don't need an F-15. There's just one thing I need to do, and they'll stay away from me. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, baby. You don't need a machine gun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. Primary. So we are. Republicans we're don't back. win. Every, Democrats don't Ryan, win. Ryan, we're back. It's Ryan, we're back. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we like to talk off camera and talks amongst yourselves. I'll give you that's a topic. That's when it gets real. <laughs> that's when it gets real. Um, okay. You guys miss all. We're gonna get to our stuff. final topic tonight. In my video, I don't have videos, so I can't see when the the commercial ends, and so I continued <laughs> our conversation off camera. So I apologize for that. Ryan, it's not a commercial. It's, it's, a, it's, a, relevant, it's a relevant video. It's a topic. It's important. Um, our final topic today, we got to get to it. There is a lot happening in Holy Mother Church right now, especially for those who subscribe to Census Fidelium, which you need to do, who are book club members of Mediatrix Press, who are supporters of the Oblates of St. Augustine, and who are subscribers to Restoring the Faith. Very likely, your priest wears a cassock. Very likely, you take your faith seriously. And very likely, you are squeezed. Regardless of where you go to Mass and which sect you're in, uh, which clan you're in, I should say. Um, ladies and gentlemen, there's a big meeting happening in Rome, and some of the large uh, former Ecclesia Day orders are are pretty open about the fact that this is happening. I, I have to go first to Brother Martin for reaction. It looks like the FSSP is in France right now, strategizing. It looks like they're headed to Rome in a week or so. Looks like the ICK is going to be summoned to Rome as well. Brother Martin, um, it's extraordinary that they are so open about what is happening ostensibly behind closed doors. Are they trying to signal to the faithful what is to come? Short answer, yes. Long answer, as someone with a religious vocation, I'm, I'm very thankful for this moment. I'm very, I'm very, very thankful for this moment because it's very, it, it has been very hard for me to communicate to the laity um, that different vocations actually exist. Like it's, it's not just layperson, marriage, or priest, but there is such a thing as a religious vocation. And one thing that Rome has done, even since 1988, when they regularized some some SSPX priests and seminarians, uh, has been really to to exclude religious from 
the beauty, the tradition of the traditional Roman rite, of, of, the, of the Catholic Mass, of the traditional Latin Mass. And in, in trying to explain the situation for, for a lot of us, um, we've been trying to, with our own personal experience, give examples of when the hierarchy has come down on religious and, and has persecuted religious for, for praying a 1962 bravery alone in their bedroom. That's my own personal experience. I've been, in two different communities, I've been persecuted and, and, and pushed out the door simply because I had a 1962 bravery in my bedroom. But now that this moment is coming forth, and even the FSSP and the Institute of Christ the King are in danger, uh, the axe is about to come down on their neck. Finally, I think people are waking up to the reality that a lot of us have been living, the nightmare that a lot of us have been living day to day. To day. Um, you know, appealing to the church and the universal church, the, the, the people, the people, the faithful of God uh, for help. And, and a lot of them just, you know, not believing us, not believing that this is their motor opera, modus operandi, not believing that this is their attitude toward the traditional Latin mass, not believing that it's the FSSP and the Institute of Christ the King were simply throwing a, a bone to the dogs and yell at the dogs, you know, giving you a little taste just to, just to appease you. One little parish in, in in your diocese that you have to drive forty five minutes to just to just uh, to worship God uh, correctly in the right way. Remember, the Israelites were free from 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 Egypt not not to to play video games, but to worship God first and foremost to worship God. And if we don't worship God correctly, then we're going to fall down. We're gonna we're gonna be like the Israelites before they were captured and, and sent to Babylon. And of course, they were free. The first thing that they did when they came back to Israel from Babylon, the first thing they did, you can read the prophets. In the Old Testament, after the books of Judges, the, the books that follow the book of Judges are precisely those from Ezra to Nehemiah, you know, all, all those prophets, they're reestablishing the worship of God in Jerusalem. They're re that's the first thing they do after they come back from slavery is reestablish. The first thing that Moses did and Aaron did in the desert after being freed from it is reestablish proper worship to Almighty God. That's the first thing. And that's the thing that's been, that precisely Rome has been preventing us from doing. Uh, since since the 19, 1960s, 1970s. Um, so now I'm, I'm very thankful. I, I really do. I praise God. I sing his praises right now that this is happening because finally everybody is waking up to the, the very things I've been, I, I personally have been experiencing the last 10 years of my life and, and trying to be faithful to my own vocation. Um, so, so I am very thankful. I mean, the, 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 the best analogy I can give you all is imagine you taking your, your want, you know, to, to be spouse, someone you've proposed to, you plan on, on marrying to, to your priest and saying you want to be married and, and starting to plan a, you know, a, a wedding and him saying, no, I'm not going to allow you to be married because you're a traditionalist. Because that's, ha that's what's been happening to a lot of us religious, a lot, a lot of seminarians. No, you can't be a priest. No, you can't be a religious. Why? You like the traditional Latin mass. Imagine. No, you can't be married to your spouse. Why? You, got, you both like the traditional Latin mass. Sorry. We don't want those kind of married couples in the church. You like the traditional Latin mass. We're not going to allow you to get married. And of course, because they have the canonical authority to do so, they, don't, they, they can just turn you away. They don't, obviously. Uh, but now I think a lot of people are, are beginning to get a, a small taste uh, of what a lot of people have been suffering the last, the last 40, 50 years. Um, but now that this, this meeting is happening in Rome, I, I am very grateful. The, qu the question is now, though, I have a lot of seminarians even ask, asking me, what are we supposed to do? I can't imagine myself ever celebrating the Novus Ordo or only exclusively the Novus Ordo. What are we supposed to do? If even the, the fraternity of St. Peter, I don't have a, a, a vocation to a community. I was supposed to be a diocesan priest. That's my vocation. But if, if even the Fraternity of St. Peter is getting shut down, if even the Institute of Christ of the Key, their seminaries are closing, they're not allowing new priests because Pope Francis explicitly made it clear that he does not want new priests, young priests, to know the traditional Latin Mass because it's not going to continue in the future. That is clear. 
what am I supposed to do? So a lot of them are asking, uh, are asking me, where are they supposed to go? Is there any other irregular bishop that they're supposed to go to? People say this is Society of St. Pius X, but again, they're a community. They have a charism. Not everybody is cut out for every single charism. Uh, not only that, but there are circumstances. They only pray their priests certain much. They only allow certain time periods for their families, and some certain people have uh, you know, particular family situations where they need to be close, et cetera, et cetera. Not everybody is cut out to be in, into one single community. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of, of, of questions in this regard. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are exciting times to live in. There are, there are answers, but I think everybody really needs to study their, their sacramental theology and know that uh, a bishop is a bishop, a validly ordained bishop is a validly ordained bishop, uh, to stop caring about names that people are associated with, um, to know that, of course, supply jurisdiction exists. It it is a legitimate option. Canon 844 paragraph two exists where you can go to uh, a, a priest that is not in communion with Romans that is validly ordained, all that kind of stuff, and can give valid sacraments. Um, that didn't exist in 1972 code. Before the Second Vatican Council, we were like, no, you cannot go to any schismatic sect. But of course, if you're pro-Vatican II, 1983 code says you, you, you perfectly can. The caveat there is if you can, then you're not obliged. You don't have an obligation to ascend Sunday Mass, et cetera, et cetera. Nonetheless, we really need to bug, you know, stop really caring about anything else but raising your children, raising yourselves in the traditional Catholic yeah. faith. The right worship of God. Israelites were freed from Israel to worship God properly. Uh, the Israelites were freed from Babylon and were allowed to return to Jerusalem precisely to worship God properly. This needs to be our number one concern. You cannot be a Skojek and not go to Mass for an entire year simply because a Mass in your mind is illicit. you got to go to Mass. you got to raise your children going to Mass. And you got to go to the traditional Latin Mass. Period. Wow. Don't be a Skojek. Um I pulled up an image of Blessed Franz Jägerstatter, and naturally I want to kick it over to you, Steve. This is a saint for our times. Blessed Franz Jägerstatter had to follow his conscience and his Catholic faith in spite of his bishops, in spite of his priests. Blessed Franz Jägerstatter had to pass on the faith to his family and his children despite what the immediate... Uh, and proximate ecclesial structure was telling him. Um, is that is that a model for 2021? Yeah, I mean, we, you and I did something on him, and I mean, his all he had to do was just, you know, say Hal Hiller. All he had to do was just fight. He fought before. In a sense, he 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 did it before once, but then he thought about it again. He said, "I can't do this again," and he had priests telling him to do it. Bishops told him the one priest he had got kicked out of the, the parish for speaking against the basically the the waves that the government was going. He was not obeying the three by five card, which a lot of priests today are are using the three by five card a lot, not all. There's a lot speaking like this guy's Blessed Franz's original priest. You don't hear about them that much. They're, they are out there. Uh, all he had to do was say the words. You see that one, the, the end of it. Uh, the priest basically says it. You know, just say it. You can go home with your kids. Your wife's right here. His wife's sitting right next to the father. And he looks at his wife and he says, I can't do it. And his wife shook her, shook her head in agreement. She was the only one to back him up on that. So, yeah, you get the uh, people that will use the excuse. Well, I can't... Uh, I have to wear a muzzle because of X. 
All right, well, why can't you wear a poppy a pachy mama? Pin to that. Same thing. I tell priest tells you to wear that. You can't come into mass. Same thing. Someone says, uh, you know, I took the jab because I figured it was, you know, XYZ. Well, I used to put my shoes in the corner of the room because I thought it created touchdowns. Same idea. It's a superstition. Are we going to call it out or not? Are we going to step up or not? Are we going to say something about it or not? Are we going to comply or not? Where's your line? Do you have any principle left? There's a lot of people going to lose jobs the next few years, lose income. They may or may not throw you in the gulag. They may or may not try to kill you. They may or may not try to arrest you. What are you doing now? Complaining on Twitter? Uh, I did a did a thing on Leo, uh, Leo DuPont, the venerable Leo DuPont, who's uh, Pius IX said was the greatest miracle worker in the history of the church. He performed more miracles than St. Vincent Ferrer, all because it was my, my hand of the right because of that image. He had people coming to his house all the time, curing them left and right. His motivation was against communism, against the French Revolution, against uh, he saw a he saw an image that was disgraceful in the streets of Fran uh, Paris, the streets of uh, Tours at the time, and he basically sidekicked it, drop kicked it, and then he paid the guy back for the money for the damage, and also told him that you know not do it again. Someone blasphemed around him. What do we do? Laugh. Joke it off, don't say anything. Well, the first time he heard that in Taurus, he punched the guy. <laughs> he said, you offended me. And this is why. You offended my father. And he explained to him what would happen. And he told him, I will give you a quarter for every block that you don't you don't blaspheme. The guy ended up with five bucks by the end of the ride. And he gave him a Benedict medal, St. Benedict medal, because he just got done hanging out with uh, Paul uh, Don Prosper Garanger. And he told him that this will help you. This is for the devil to stop it. He was against the revolutionaries who tried to put a road over the body of St. Martin so that you would drive over his body. And somehow they screwed up the location and put the road somewhere else. And the lady on the street goes, you didn't think St. Martin could pull up another miracle? And here's the real here's the real tragedy. You do this video and it gets a few hundred views on Census Fidelium. But uh, people talking about church politics and what ifs and this is going to happen get hundreds of thousands of views. I mean, that's, I, I, that's, I think, the, the, the big tragedy of our time is that we're spending more time thinking about the what-ifs than, than uh, developing, as you say, and I'm stealing this from you, Steve. I'm just I'm channeling my Steve Cunningham. Getting them calluses on your knees. Exactly. <laughs> Anything I say can be stolen and repeated, and no, no nickels need to be over to me, but... <laughs> No, nah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a, a Vicky. I can't remember. She was the one that made the uh, the, the chaplet for you and yeah. I, Mike. She's got a. She, is she? Uh, no, no. Ours, ours was Amy. Amy, yeah. that's right. Amy. I do it ended with an, an E. Uh, anyway, she's got an Etsy site, and uh, Vicky was. I think she's a descendant of or a relative of uh, Sister Marie Pierre somehow by marriage. Like the guy I interviewed, it was a. By marriage was the is a uh, relative of Venerable uh, Leon de Pont, and uh, she's got these prayer cards of the Holy Face. Yeah, you get out, you know, give them away, get the medals, give them away. Yeah, that's, that's give away miraculous. It's remarkable. Medals. All we do is tweets and complain and read. All right, no, if, hey, no, if, I'm not bashing Doctor Marshall on this. 
If you haven't figured out that we've been infiltrated for the last how long, you don't need to read a book about it. All right? We already know. Water is wet. Give me that book. That's about the same thing. And again, I'm not bat- blasting Marshall on that. No, 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 no. no. For the rest but, of everyone. But to be fair. We know water is wet. Do something I wanna kick, about it. I want to kick it over to Ryan, but to be fair, um, there are a lot of COVID refugees. I actually appreciate that Marshall did a video last uh, this this past week about how to treat the refugees, because look, if you're living in Texas right now, you're being infiltrated by Californians. And it's one thing to welcome the refugees from California, from the left coast into Texas, but you need to assimilate. Don't bring your politics with you. It's the same thing with the Novus Ordites who are now coming into the TLM part of the church uh, in, in droves, in absolute droves. And um, But the problem is, is they're bringing their Novus Ordo-isms with them. And I'm glad that he um, talked about that. And uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of them do need to read Infiltration because they're unaware of it. But you're right, Steve. It, for, for those who have been attending the TLM for a decade or more, like this group here, uh, you look at it and you say, okay, well, um, duh. But Ryan... I want to bring you into the discussion, uh, anything that you want to touch on, but in particular the the opening part of the discussion, which is the vice, which is now putting pressure on the former Ecclesia Dei orders. Uh, they have been summoned to Rome. They're, they're, they're telling us that they've been summoned to Rome. This is, Ed Penton at the National Catholic Register has confirmed it. This isn't just hearsay. This isn't what if. This isn't like scenario analysis. This is This is reality. What do we do? I think that um, it's true enough that there's a lot of speculation. Nobody knows for absolutely sure what's going to happen. There's some credible rumors, you know, coming around. It may actually be worse than that, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just like the, you know, Tradicionus Custodes was actually a fire. The jailers of the tradition was a lot worse than it was rumored to be. So what's the, you know, and, and you could tell because, I mean, the, the accompanying letter to bishops, Pope Francis laid out the whole raison d'etre of the entire initiative right now. We need to, you know, to help these faithful transition over from the, you know, they're still labeling in the document the extraordinary form, to the the mass of Paul VI. We need to make that happen. That's the raison d'etre, the, the very essence of the entire document, the reason for its existence, is to basically put deep six all celebrations of the traditional mass and have all those faithful and priests doing the missile Paul the six. That's the idea. And if you want to know what's going to happen, if like your Austin Sarabia's, if um, your <laughs> you know, various people that have been running around saying, Oh, you see all this time the the FSSP thing was a mistake. You never should have been having your own trad parishes. You should have been in your own parishes trying to tradify them. Well, if you want to know where that's going to go, just look at this uh, priest in Costa Rica who celebrated the traditional mass and then uh, jailers of the tradition came out and his bishop said, that's it, no more, I'm suppressing it. And he said, okay, and he obeyed. He did the Novus Ordo in Latin. His bishop suspended him and wants to send him to psychological counseling and completely dissolve the parish where these people were going to mass and getting spiritually fed with the church's tradition that even Vatican II proclaims Latin, Gregorian chant, etc., no, no, but you can't have that, right? So it's a similar thing that you're going to find everywhere. So yeah, get everyone moved into the parishes, and then we're right back to 70s kumbaya. And if you dare suggest that uh, we should have anything else, you're rigid and, and all that, that's the end game. That's what they want. 
And and that's I'm not going to accept that. It's either going to be traditional mass or it's going to be the Byzantine uh, one of the Eastern Catholic churches, and that's going to be it. I'm not you know you know I, I haven't been to the Novus Ordo in 16 years except for a wedding. I'm not going back. My kids have never seen it. It's not their wow. right. They've never seen it. And there's a number of people who've grown up in the traditional movement and they've gotten married and they have kids and those kids are adults now and they've never seen the Novus Ordo actually or never been to it. And they might have seen it once or twice, but that's not the right that formed them or that they grew up in. So this whole notion that you're going to transition back is completely short-sighted to the reality that's actually taking place, really, for a lot of people. So what What then? Hey, I'm not going back to anything. You're forcing me out of my right into this other thing that's not mine. It'll be just as real as what happened to Catholics in 1969, right? So, or, or 1965, but Ryan, depending on what was going on in but a Ryan, specific parish. But that, so anyway, isn't, that, isn't that what yeah. they're seeking to do, though? I mean, if you read the letter that accompanies Tristianos Custodes, if you read it, it says that, you know, uh, it essentially implies that that the motu proprio under Benedict XVI was merely to appease the older Catholics who had a real nostalgia. It was never designed for the youth. You're saying now that there are youth, like namely your children, who uh, who they have a right now. So uh, how do we square that? Well, I mean, whoever wrote that line and the motivations of the prior, uh, you know, indults and then the motu proprio of, of Pope Benedict, whoever wrote the, their mo- about their motivation in that document for Pope Francis or whether it's Pope Francis himself, we don't know. They simply do not have any understanding of what actually went on and never bothered to read those documents because it's not true. It's manifestly false. The, I mean, even Ecclesia Day. You know, when they talked about it was not just for the old people who couldn't get along. It was also recognizing the spiritual you know, benefits of this thing and helping people that, you know, and again, I'm not imposing any judgment of my own. You know, I've said it before. I don't have any issues, society, fraternity, whatever. I'm not going to get in those wars. I'm good with both. But, you know, John Paul II with Ecclesia Day was trying to say, hey, we can foster this over here for you know, young and old. And, and they clarified, Ecclesia Dei clarified that the, the motu proprio Ecclesia Dei was not issued for just the old people who couldn't get along with it, right? And then Pope Benedict, if anyone bothered to read Samorum Pontificum and the accompanying letter to bishops, it's pretty clear Pope Benedict is telling the bishops, you didn't do your job. You didn't allow this thing when people legitimately wanted it. And this is a treasure of the church and what was valid yesterday is valid today what was um you know our worship yesterday is our worship today and 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 he said this in another book uh i don't he didn't say this explicitly this way in this document but his line is echoing it i think it was feast of faith in 1982 i can't remember which book either that or spirit of liturgy he says it calls into question the nature of the church which was one when what was once its most sacred thing is now utterly and absolutely forbidden that's, I mean, all these things show clearly Benedict's motivation was had absolutely nothing to do with appeasing the old people. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, the dialogue with the SSPX to bring them into full communion. It had everything to do with providing the treasure of the traditional liturgy to the whole church. That was exactly what happened. So this document is basically lying because the truth is so manifest you can't not know it unless you're an absolute idiot. And or, or you've never bothered to read it. I could fully believe Pope Francis never bothered to read Sumor and Pontificum. But, you know, wh- whether he drafted it or the people who put this thing together, they've got it, it's so obvious why he did this, why Benedict did this, that because uh, he just says it. 
you either never read the document or you're, you're just explicitly lying when you say, and maybe that means I'm accusing the Pope of lying, but I mean, it, that's it. He's either just never read the document or he's lying. Those are your only two, you know, things. So anyway, so we know that's the end game. Right. From Pope Francis's accompanying letter that uh, to, to basically snuff the whole thing out forever. That's his end game. So whatever about, you know, the fraternities meeting in Rome they're with whoever for whatever, you know, ultimately what's going to come down is going to be something to transition everything over to the Novus Ordo and then to put the smack down there. It'll keep coming. It's not going to stop. Yeah. So you're going to basically you're going to make determinations now. We're going to preserve the tradition. We're going to stick with this. And if your priests do, if, if some new regulations come down, you have to use a new lectionary or something like that. And your priest is not doing it. we got to have some OPSEC. we got to have some operational security. Do not take a picture and boast on Twitter about how your priest is not paying, is not observing whatever new document they come out with. You know, just, just shut up. Keep it quiet. Keep it going. What, and then look at your future. There are going to be priests that are going to say, we're not going along with this. We're going to keep celebrating the traditional mass as is our right as Catholics in, you know, in the, the Roman right of the church and you know, provide places. We might be English Reformation style. Who knows what it's going to actually devolve into? There's been discussions like this with uh, you know, priests in various groups and, and, and some that I've been associated with and others on the Internet. And so I know it's going on. And people are, and that's work out some fruitful ideas. Don't come out there in such a public way where everyone could see it and every bishop could see it, so they could start really going after him. You know, again, do some opsec. Just have a, you know, basically, what can we do to preserve the faith? That's where we're at, and that, that's what we're going to have to we, do until God, because God is allowing all this to happen, and that's the reality too. That we also have to to. For whatever reason, just like people scratch their heads when really holy reforming popes in the 16th, 17th century would die, and then you get this clown that's trying to take it back to Renaissance days, and it'd just be scratching that he'd lived for like five, six, seven years, and then people would be scratching their heads, why is this guy allowed in there and not, you know, this other one? We're in the same boat. For whatever reason, in God's providence, this is all being allowed, and we need to do our part to, you know, accept his grace, to suffer, to offer, and to figure out. What are the best things to offer him? Honor, justice, true worship, or worthy service, as it's put in, in, the, in the book of Acts. I think there's no question that the so-called hermeneutic of continuity is a myth. It's been destroyed. It has been uh, dispensed with and set aside. Lots of ink has been spilled describing the so-called hermeneutic of a continuity, particularly by Pope Benedict XVI, who said that they're just two expressions of the same thing, that they're both equal in value, equal in splendor, equal in rendering greater honor and glory to Almighty God, that they're basically the two things, that the, the two expressions of the same thing. We now know that, that that's not true, uh, that the neocon lie, the JP2 lie, is exactly what it is. It's a lie. Um, and that's the world that we live in now. So, I, you know, not to jump ahead to the unpopular opinions, but what we're living through right now at least is a moment of clarity. Let's get to the unpopular opinions. Can we do that? Can we get to the unpopular opinions tonight? Steve Cunningham, it's almost midnight on the East Coast. Almost have to stop sipping whatever you're sipping. Give us your unpop. I guess it's just the piggyback of what we just talked about. Uh, um, there's a lot of groups. I mean, there's a uh, popular evangelization group 
that I'm, I'm, I'm with. And I remember talking to them one time, and I was telling them about the website, which no one knows. I have actually a website, not just the YouTube channels, sensibidelium.us. It has Spanish, French, Italian on there. People don't know it exists. Just finished the Spanish Bible. Uh, Spanish people don't even know it's there. Uh, they were telling me that they didn't know what step two was. This was a big time uh, worldwide global evangelization group. I like the group. Uh, I talked to the top dog a lot. But, but when I heard him say, when I heard them, it wasn't him, it was one of the secretaries said that. We don't know what step two is. I'm going, I can have a program. You don't know what the next step is. Uh, I look at that the same thing as, again, I'm not, again, if anybody thinks I'm bashing him, please work on your brain cells. I'm not bashing anybody on here. Uh, you read infiltration. Okay, great. What's your next plan? Are you praying more? Are you going to mass more? Are you getting devotion to holy face? Are you promoting something? You're promoting it. Are you inviting people to your mass? It's one thing I'd never see trans do is invite people to, hey, come to mass with me. Never happens. Why? Until the Holy Father did this to the mass, there was only a few parishes that were busting at the same in the traditional communities. Just a couple. The rest, stagnant at best. And that's from priests and the orders that I've talked to. Now it's under booming. Why? Because the Holy Father was the best evangelist for the traditional mass. Where's the rest of us? Hey, we can't invite a friend, can't invite our family member hasn't gone to mass, come with us. We'll go out for pizza and a beer afterwards. That's it's not a problem. Get them this Benedictus book if you don't know it, and so that they don't have to flip back and forth. Fine, let them read the devotionals. Get some books from Mediatrix Press. I don't know. Get a miraculous medal. Why do we not have a, a, a step two? You get the you get the first step, we get woke. Then we do what? Tweet? Where's the church built? Is the church built in just one of those? Hey, we just fight on Twitter? We'll condemn everyone to the fifth realm of hell on Twitter, but... That's funny. <laughs> we ain't going to do anything we say. <laughs> uh, see, hey, the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket at, at, at you know 70 million miles an hour. I just watched a, a thing on North Carolina about you know the communists trying to penetrate North Carolina. All right, let's get something... Let's, be solution-based, too. A lot of things we talk about, especially cloud plan, we talk about the bad things, we want to bring up solutions. My, we, Mike and I have talked about the Holy Face thing. We talked about Blessed Franz. If you just about, hey, this sucks, and this is all we got going on, why we bother? Get the mass more. Pray more. Mike jokingly said about the calluses on these. We got to be more than step. We got to have a step two and be willing to execute it. No excuses. Amen. Good on pop. Probably not going to win, but it's a good on pop. I never win. I don't care. Steve, you win. never win the <laughs> unpop. It, I, but I think that's a good sign, though, because it means that people don't find your opinion to be particularly unpopular. They just agree with it. They think it's great. Or I'm so stupid, I can't figure out what the unpopular thing means, so I can never win. Well, <laughs> I think the unpopular opinion segment really is just a mockery of the absurdity of democracy. Speaking of which, Ryan, unpop. Ready? <laughs> well, I almost, almost won 
last week. It was very close. Although, in reality, brothers, in Mike opi- Mike's opinion, were just about the same. Yeah. So, or very close to it. So it was like competing against two people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, without that, I might have actually it topped it off because it was very unpopular, especially amongst people that love well Star Trek. Which brings us to this week's um, unpopular opinion. Now that I've outed myself as a Trekkie nerd geek and uh, lover of sci-fi, which people find kind of odd. Wait, how? How? Well, one is how do you have time for it? It's like, well, these days I don't. I watch it when I was a kid. But, you know, when I get, you know, time, I'm packing books and I got a couple hours, I'll watch one or two episodes or something, just kind of nostalgia purposes, especially since Modern Trek is so bad at every level and so woke, I want to go near it with a thousand foot pole. But so my unpopular opinion this week, because I know I noticed this uh, as I did a video with uh, Father Ripiger on Jailers of the Tradition, and there were about three or four comments of people going after because in the opening things he was like, "How you're doing?" and I was just expressing my dismay that CBS had renewed Alex Kurtzman's contract to continue making Star Trek more woke. And it was so sad for the the fall of uh, what I you know for from where Star Trek used to be. And some guy, you know, there were a couple of people say, how can you watch Star Trek? That's so awful. It detracts from our Catholic faith. We could never watch it. So my unpopular opinion is that, um, you know, following along Eutropalia or, you know, general interest, that it's not contrary to the faith, that amidst your other duties, amidst all the things when you're, you're properly attending to prayer, attend, properly attending to your family, properly attending to your, your job, um, you know, to have an interest that you indulge that isn't necessarily absolutely connected to the faith, um, whether that happens to be sci-fi or it happens to be, um, you know, something else. Um, it, it is what it is. And it's something that, you know, if you look at it and it gives you a benefit and it, it's smartly written, it makes you think of questions like a lot of the older Trek was smartly written and dealt with serious ethical and moral problems that were in, in a fantasy universe. It was really interesting to see how these things played out. And, um, you know, I could go on about the specific episodes, but I'm not going to do that here. So basically the, my unpopular opinion is it's okay to watch Star Trek or to like a horror movie or whatever, as long as, again, all moderation is observed and you're not getting like so into it. Like, again, I say a Trekkie nerd just because I love the, the, the history and the, the, the genre, but I, I don't have a secret Starfleet uniform in my closet that I get into for kicks. You know, I, I don't have any of that kind of stuff. I don't go to – never have gone to Comic-Cons or any of these type of things. But um, but let's say somebody did. Oh, well, whatever. Um it as long as all things are being you know properly moderated, it, it can really you know it, just because it's not absolutely connected with the faith, it can still be beneficial for future paleo. And each individual can decide whether that's useful for him or well, no, you know I don't need that, and I I just need more saints books, which also is great, and I've got plenty to sell you. So uh, <laughs> you know that, that's also fine too. That just that being the unpop that secular or not specifically Catholic um, study interest. I don't want to say entertainment purely because entertainment is more of a distraction. Um, but, you know, those are legit. Ryan, be honest. Did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons? No, I've never done oh, that. All right. Very good. Uh, Brother Martin, unpopular opinion this week. <laughs> I mentioned early in the show uh, some ideas about the Old Testament. About the Israelites first being sold into slavery and or going into slavery in Egypt, um, being freed from 
Egypt precisely for, for right worship, to worship God as he ought to be worshipped. And we know from the book of Exodus that all the problems the Israelites run into is precisely because of the sin of idolatry. Um, we see it also in the book of Judges, going into Babylon, um, sins of idolatry. Solomon, also David's son, sins of idolatry. Why? Because he married a foreign wife um, that led him to, to worship a ball. Uh, looking back at, at why trads are in the situation we're in, sure. I mean, we're, we're trying our best to be faithful. And so you can, I, I give us all credit for that. I mean, we, we study the faith. We, we study the catechisms. Uh, we promote particular devotions, et cetera, et cetera. We're doing our best. But our Lord says in the Gospel of John that the dead branches he cuts off. The good branches he prunes. I don't know. I'm not particularly a gardener, but I know this much about gardening, that pruning requires scissors and you cut certain parts of a branch off. So it's still a cutting. It's still something that's violent. Um, and so I, I kind of reflect on why, why we're going through what we're going through in the traditionalist movement, why, why we're having to suffer the loss of our mass licitly, et cetera, et cetera. And the only thing that could come up is we're, we're sure we're taking, um, our faith more seriously than those who are not taking it seriously at all. Well, that's a pretty darn low bar. The only, the only thing that I could come to explain why we're, ex we're experiencing what we're experiencing is because we're still not living our faith as we ought to live it. Whether we go to the traditional Latin Mass every Sunday, we fast from meat every Friday, that's not enough. Um, whether we pray the rosary every day, you know what, that's not enough. You know, what sins are we committing on a weekly basis? on a monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera. Are we going to confession as often as we ought to? Um, it's always interesting when I try to introduce like the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary um, or even the divine office to other people, how abhorrent it seems to them that they should act, actually dedicate an hour or two a day to, to Almighty God. Like I understand your vocation from, comes first and the circumstances of your kids and the needs of your kids and your jobs to provide for your kids. Um, but I, 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 would, I would suggest to everybody that we really look at how we spend our time in our day and, and all the sinful ways we, that we spend our time in our day, whether we, you know, binge and watch Netflix or watch some sort of soap opera or, or, or whatever else, and whether or not we could actually dedicate that time to actually learning uh, the divine office or the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The, the liturgy is something that's very important to the life of a Catholic. Um, and so few people actually know what the liturgy is beyond beyond the mass um which also goes to goes to show why there's so few people that from the traditionalist movement that want to actually become priests you know kids a lot of the traditionalist priests come from Novus Ordo parishes even fssb institute of christ the king a lot of those those seminarians come from Novus Ordo parishes that has come that discover the traditional latin mass later on in life very few few some uh, seminarians come from the actual fraternity parishes and institute parishes uh, but regardless i mean people don't grow up knowing what liturgy is so my unpopular opinion um, is that the, the, the tribulation that we're going to is precisely because we're being pruned, we're not being faithful enough, that we still have to turn it up, not just one notch, but two, two notches. We have to, each, everybody watching this episode right now needs to consider, you know, where, where are the places in my life where I'm just indulging in things that I don't need to indulge you? Leisure, leisure has its place, of course. But where, where am I literally be, being idle? Where, where, where could I put it in? Uh, put in learning about the, the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, or, or something of that sort. Do, do I find myself wasting a lot of time in my day that I could spend dedicating to, to our Lord in prayer? 
am, am I doing my mental prayer before I watch the rundown? I mean, you, I mean, it's, it's, it's midnight here on the East Coast. You also have done your mental prayer already today. Um, but that's precisely my, my end pop is, is that we're, the trads are wasting too much time. We're still not living as, as, a, as a traditional Catholic ought to live. And, and we're always comparing ourselves to the, to the Novus Ordites, that we're really not comparing ourselves to what we ought to be, the model of the, who is Jesus Christ himself. Stiff competition this week, and so I'm going to have to unveil a theory that I've been working on for quite a while, and I'm going to unveil it tonight as my unpopular opinion. The title of the unpopular opinion is, We uh, Deserve What's Happening to Us Right Now, and in particular, when you look at art, when you look at the abstraction of art, an abstract art and modern art, it is an abstraction of something that which, which rightly um, belongs to an integral image. So now you just take a color that it, you, may, you may find in nature, and it's splotched on a screen, and that's supposed to be art. But a, 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 an aspect of a thing divorced from the entire thing um, is deficient. That is now called art today, but that is deficient. My unpopular opinion is that we deserve to have a deficient view of Christendom, of the splendor of the truth, of the splendor of the faith, because of how awful we all are. And, and when I say we, I include trads in that. So here's, my, um, here's, here's what I mean. When you look at a light beam through a prism, the light disaggregates into its uh, principal parts. And you can see the spectrum of the rainbow. You can see each integral part which together makes a light ray. We now only see the church through a prism. We see it through the prism of modernism. And therefore, we are only graced by Almighty God in His infinite goodness to see the church through that prism of modernism and are only capable, therefore, to appreciate a specific aspect of the church. And so when we look at the church from tradition, we have the three major orders. You have the SSPX, the FSSP, and the Institute of Christ the King. And each one of these three things, in my view, um, primarily represents one of the three aspects of God, the truth, goodness, and beauty, the Holy Trinity. With the SSPX, you get to hear the truth from the pulpit, unabashed, unafraid, no bishop's going to shut them down. When you go to the mm-hmm. FSSP, you can be sure that those priests are truly, in my experience anyway, subjective experience of being at like 30 different FSSP parishes across the country, they're good men. Very, very good, good, holy men. And when you go to the Institute of Christ the King, of course, the emphasis is on beauty. But right now, we have to choose one of those aspects. We have to choose one. Because we are not capable of appreciating Christendom in all of its splendor and all of its glory, the entire thing. We don't get to have the, the entire thing because we're not good enough. And Almighty God has not deigned that we have those things. So we have to latch on to one of the three principal characteristics, truth, goodness, or beauty. And, um, and that is a deficiency. It's like latching on to a color that is splotched on a canvas. It is an integral part of a larger picture which we don't get to see. And so I look at this and I say, this current chastisement, we deserve it. We brought it upon ourselves. And the reason why we brought it upon ourselves, perfect example, we're in St. Michael's Lent right now. I ran a poll on Restoring the Faith YouTube. 
I got hundreds of votes. I think a thousand votes on the poll. Do you even know what St. Michael's Lent is? It's founded by St. Francis of Assisi. It was one of the major, major spiritual developments of the Middle Ages. It is a period, it's a 40-day period of fasting. It's similar to Lent, and yet we don't even know what it is. So um, that is, um, anyway, that's my unpopular opinion. We deserve this. We only get to see the church through the prism of modernism, and that is a temporary punishment, I hope. And in the end, we will get to see the true integral beauty of the church and its all of its splendor. Let's get to the grifting. Can we grift, ladies and gentlemen? Can we grift? Um, Steve, you rarely have anything to grift. you got to have something to talk about this week. I, I've got to made a new shirt for the San Patricios. Uh, anybody likes it. i got the Celtic Cross, the banner, Aaron Gobrow on the back. My logo on the side. Yeah, but if you have no idea what I'm talking about, the San Patricios, we did a uh, podcast with Dr. Michael Hogan down in Guadalajara on them. They were defectors of the U.S. Army during the Mexican-American War when they noticed that uh, maybe we're the bad, we're, maybe we're on the bad side of things. And the anti-Catholicism in the Army, in the States, etc., uh, the U.S. was using the cathedrals for target practice to limit their figure out how far the cannons were shooting, and led by uh, the uh, the Irish battalion, they fought valiantly back again when they went down to Mexico. And that's why you hear the Coronados, the red-headed Mexicans. There's uh, statues of them all over Mexico, and there's a lot of uh, Irish names in Mexico area because of these guys who just stayed down afterwards. They hung a lot of them in very terrible ways. They didn't do it by the book. So I know it's, I mean, next, uh, just, I like wearing these to work out in. So I'll go to the gym in these. So I put it out. So if I'm going to make it for myself, I don't, I put it up on a uh, printify. Uh, I think I get like a buck for all of it. So I, I lower the price down as low as I can, but People come up to me in the gym and ask, what is that all about? So it brings up a conversation. But uh, a lot of these, I like to make some good shirts. I see some people in the cafe that goes uh, look like they just put up some kind of sh- weird thing up. I'm like, let's make some, you know, like bad shirts. It's good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, here's a, the San Patricio's one. If you want it, it's on the .us website on the merchandise side. Um, Ryan, I know we don't have visuals with you. Um, can you can you tell us something that uh, you're working on with at Mediatrics? I can. Um, I don't have anything new to grift this week specifically, um, but there's a whole bunch of things that are coming to fruition finally. Um, uh, getting tied together. So the first thing is that on October 8th and October 9th, it's Friday and a Saturday. I will be in the great state of Texas, in the Lone Star State. I will be at Mater Dei Parish in Irving, Texas, uh, giving a talk, a four-part series on St. Robert Bellarmine. And um, actually, it'll be a four-talk, but one talk Friday night, three on Saturday. I'm going to need a drink afterwards. Um, (laughs) If you sit through all of it, you'll need a drink afterwards. But it's going to be good. You're going to break down all the essential elements of his life and everything in the tradition and and so many other things. 
Uh, and it's great to give talks again, too, because since the unspecified virus of unspecified origin to, uh, took hold, uh, a lot of those dried up. I used to do a whole bunch of those, and now I don't you know, so much because it's even if they want to do it, it's getting past your bishop's restrictions first. And it's like, well, I can't pay you to get you out here to do an event where we can only have 25 people here because everyone's got to, everything's got to be roped off and socialist distancing and all that stuff. So um, anyway, it gets more expensive because I won't fly as I drive. So uh, I refuse to play the airline game. But anyway, there's that. So if you are in or near uh, that area of uh, you know Irving, Texas, um, please do go down for that. Then... Um, I, I've mentioned it the last couple of weeks. September 17th is the 400th anniversary of St. Robert Bellarmine's uh, death. We're coming close to that. Um, 17th September, 1621. He was the one principally responsible for getting the stigmata of St. Francis onto the general calendar um, instead of it just being a unique Franciscan feast. So, uh, And then he chose that day to die. And, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. You know, he died. He, he, <laughs> so he... Um, Anyway, so I've got a biography of St. Robert Bellarmine that I haven't announced, mentioned anything about that yet or put anything out there, but it looks like it could be done sometime within that, maybe be like a, a week at, a week or two after. But once I get the word from my editor that it's looking like it'll be done, you know, we'll be able to get it out in September or early October, then I will open up the pre-order button for that. So that'll be out there. Uh, Bellarmine's Ascent to the Mind of God by the Ladder of Created Things. That book is almost done. Um, and then it's a wonderful aesthetical work actually for contemplation. And if you want to use that, take that with you to adoration or something, that'll be perfect for that. Um, and then I've got a bunch of reprints on saints again that nobody's ever heard of, but should have. Um, and those will be dropping shortly. Um, you know, this month at least I just got some more layout to do on those. And so everything, you know, is coming along, uh, you know, gradually. So there'll be new announcements. And next time I'm on video is the, the, change of times i wasn't able to get to where i could i could do it with decent signals i had to go audio only so that you you know something decent can come through uh, maybe <laughs> and um anyway so hopefully i have some of those things to show in the future excellent okay brother martin is this the week that we're going to hear something well, all, good from you or are you going to keep withholding are you just going to keep us on the edge of our seats what's going on with you both and both end. I mean, hopefully you guys always hear something good from me. Um, but first of all, I just want to say that I'm going to, on the rundown, we typically call things ahead of time as we see them, as we predict them to be. And right now we're like 10 for 10. We're 100% on, on all the things we've called in society, all that kind of stuff. Right now I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead of the game and, and call that if there's a day that, that Ryan is going to die, it's going to be in the feast of St. Robert Bellarmine. I'm just going to say that <laughs> so right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, kind of, kind of kidding. Only kind of. Anyway, um, it'll be after somebody, I finish translating the controversies. God has no more use for me at that point. I'll go. <laughs> exactly, Ryan. Exactly. <laughs> um, regarding the updates, always of Saint Augustine. Next Friday will be the last Friday you will see this background behind me, um, because we're moving forward. Uh, we've got a place that we're moving in that nobody can kick us out of. No bishop can k- kick us out of. Um, thanks be to God. Thanks for all of your help on you know, those of you that watched the rundown. Um, seriously, you, you guys are really are part of are part of the Elvis of Saint Augustine. Really, 
you, you've made this 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 community happen. Um, regarding our, because I'm I'm in control of our finances, all that kind of stuff. We've got quite a few people that are that are asking about visits that are regarding vocational visits um, and their quality. And to be honest, as soon as as soon as the money goes into this place that we've we've got that this roof over our head, um, we're still kind of back in the same position as we were beforehand. Uh, and given the, the the quantity of people that are coming to the Oblates of San Augustine and asking us about the possibility of of of, of living out their vocation here, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm kind of kind of worried um, because. The quantity of vocations and the quantity in our bank account don't exactly, they're not, they're not exactly the level. So for those of you that were able to, to respond to our call for, for $10 for 10 weeks, which was $40 a month, um, I would simply ask you to, to prayerfully consider uh, continuing that rhythm of $10 a week to the Obeys of St. Augustine. Um, you can go to our website at www.obeysofstaugustine.com slash giving. Uh, you can see the, the several videos that I've given regarding uh, who this Oblates of St. Augustine are, what our mission is. Obviously, it's to pre preserve the traditional Roman rite, and, and particularly the Augustinian charism, um, the traditional Augustinian charism, and, and traditional religious life. Um, I uploaded several videos on our on our websites. The one, one I did with, with Steve on Census Fidelium about why, why religious life, which is pretty good. You can see that on our vocations page. Uh, the one I did with, with Mike, RTF. Um, on our homepage, then also with Christus Vincit on our, our giving page. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my best at telling you guys exactly what we are, exactly what our, exactly what our mission is, um, in trying to attract as many guys who are as honest and sincere about living traditional Catholic religious life as possible. Uh, and we've got quite a few. Uh, so we're working on building space for, for all of them, which, which is happening. Um, and so this is kind of a, a project that's that's step by step, um, well, that's in progress. And so I don't ever want to make it seem that like we're we're finished or that we're we're perfectly safe and secure, et cetera, et cetera, because we're we're not. And in one sense, that's that's the the situation of religious life that we're never one hundred percent secure. We, tr we trust God and we trust His providence, and we trust Him to move all of your guys' hearts to to provide for us. Uh, which then goes an example that he will do also the same in your lives because in your lives you're also facing a lot of insecurities regarding the jabs and and employers uh, mandating these things and if they mandate them then you might lose your job and so you have to downsize you have to go from this uh, two hundred three hundred four hundred thousand dollar home to a small apartment simply to accommodate for your husband losing your job and you being a stay at home mom et cetera et cetera so we completely understand all of that. Um, but as St. John Clement has said, that angels are models of, of monks and monks are models of men. Um, and so we also want to provide that, that example to, to everyone else that if you're faithful to God, first and foremost, if you really seek to do his will, uh, I mean, our Lord said it in the gospel, if you seek to do the will of the Father, then um, he'll provide for you, pure and simple. Uh, and so we want to be that model for, for everyone as well. So that, that's kind of an update on the, the Obeys of St. Augustine is that one, we're moving. Thanks be to, uh, to God and, and to all of you that have helped to support us. Two, we want to continue to be the, mo the model that if you're faithful to the traditional Catholic faith, uh, then our Lord will not leave you wanting for anything, that, that, that you'll have what you need, uh, most, especially, most especially the sacraments. 
because that's what the Oblation Center guys are here. We're going to provide for you guys. We'll be here for you guys. Uh, so I guess that's my grift. That's a good grift. I actually have a grift this week, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to have to suffer through it because um, I'm really proud to announce my new partnership with the Saint Maker. The Saint Maker is a planner, but it's more than a planner. It comes out four times a year. Go to saintmaker.com. The website will be listed at the end of this visual. The question that I ask for all of you is, how rigid is your prayer life? How rigid are your goals? When you open your planner, do you even have a planner anymore? Are you looking at your iPhone? I feel like we need to live in reality. We need to have something physical in front of us. We need to get off our phones, frankly. This is one way to do that. Saint Maker is a planner that comes out and it tells you uh, every day what the readings are at the old Mass. It also has the readings for the new Mass, so you can give this to a Novus Ordo friend, and I recommend that you do that. Give it to a Novus Ordo friend, and they'll start to see the side-by-side of what's happening in the TLM aspect of the church, and, um, and this might actually be a gateway drug for them. Lots of people use it. You see Guzman use it at the Catholic Gentleman. Other people use it. I don't know who all these people are, but some of them are famous, I guess. It gives you daily devotions, to-dos, issue trackers, appointments. Uh, it, gives you, it reminds you to do your uh, examination of conscience in the morning, at night. The Saint Maker is, like, look, I was super impressed. When I received this thing, I was like, I don't know what to expect. Here it is. I'm holding one. Uh, red is, I think, a good, com- uh, good color for summer. Um, we're in the season of Pentecost. It's fitting. I can tell that they put a lot of thought into the colors that they use, liturgical colors. Um, I talked to um, the man who started this, young man, and um, he's got the highest of goals Nate for it. And um, the, look, the truth is, is that I think we all need to have planners. I think we all need to have something physical to write our goals down in. And you can go to saintmaker.com slash restoring the faith. There's a link in the show notes here, and you can get yours. I recommend that you do it. By the way, if you pre-order the Saint Maker, I didn't know this, you can actually get 20% off. Um, okay, one other thing. I was really impressed with the quality of it. Like, it's really well-bound. You know, this isn't like a cheap book. This thing is going to last you for 90 days. We talked about how the city of St. Louis wants you to have uh, your unholy sacrifice of the jab every 90 days otherwise you're you're um you're not in a state of anti-grace this comes out every 90 days i think this is what you need more than the unholy sacrifice of the jab that is it for the rundown you guys have been so patient with us this week what should we end it on guys i have so many i've i've like some of the videos teed up i don't want to end on france what should we end on Mm. Let me see. Let me see your selection. Can't see it very well. I know. <laughs> I know. Why don't we? Wait. I see. Ta- I see Taylor dance. You see there. Ta- oh, you see it? Where's Taylor dance? Okay, let's end on Taylor dance. There it is. There. Thanks for watching. Ooh. This is a rundown. God bless you.